Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you so much for this morning, for today, for your word. Um, We are just reminded this morning as we sing these songs that you are the king of heaven and the world, that you have got um, the power and the authority and the control that is needed, that we don't have to be afraid. And so, God, this morning as we look at these teachings from Jesus as we consider what he said about worry and fear, God, I pray that we would take them to heart and apply them to our minds and to our thinking, that, Lord, we would adopt and have and live with a truly fearless attitude. We pray this in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Weston. If you're new, we're delighted to have you here. If you're old, we're delighted to have you here as well. I figured we hadn't said that yet this morning. Uh, So we're in the book of Matthew and in the middle of a series called Fearless. And it's all about living life uh, free from fear. And so we started the first week of this series looking at um, what is the problem of fear. And the problem of fear is simply this. It's that it holds us back from our best. It keeps us from moving forward. It it keeps us disconnected from the the people we know. It keeps us from accomplishing what we want to accomplish in our lives. And so fear is not good. I've never met anybody that said, you know, I I made all of these decisions in fear, and I'm just really proud of all these decisions I made in fear. That's just not how we live. Uh, Last week, we looked at how Jesus has come to set us free from fear, and and that he didn't come just to set us free, you know, so we live in heaven in the future, but that right now, in this moment, if we have him with us and the Holy Spirit with us, we don't have to be afraid. And so today, we're going to look at some of the more practical teachings. And I say that to say this, is, is we're going to talk about some different things we can do and things we can think about and some, some attitudes that we can hopefully adopt in order to live a life free from fear. But you'll never live a life totally free from fear, I firmly believe, outside of Christ. I don't believe you will ever truly live a life that's free from fear unless you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. I believe that. Now, I do believe this, that the things we're going to talk about today, whether you are a Christ follower or not, whether you believe Jesus is the Son of God and He's come for you or not, I believe that if you adopt these things, it will help you have less fear. But I believe we will never be fearless until we have Christ in our lives. I I believe that wholeheartedly. And so I want to say this, is is if you were just picking up today and moving forward, it's going to be really helpful. But I think the first two weeks we talked about are are the parts that really get to the soul and the essence of what it means to to live a life free from fear. And so I would encourage you to go back to the podcast, pick those up. You can get that on our website, uh, bowlinggreenchristianchurch.org. You just click on the sermons tab and it's there. Uh, and if you know somebody, you know, in your life, you're thinking, man, they, they could really handle this. You could just send them an email with a link and say, you know, you're a total basket case, and you've got a lot of fear. You need to chill out. This sermon is for you. Um, just, you know, dude, I can't say that, but you could say that. All right, let's see. Where are we? Oh, here we go. You know, you, you know when you need your notes, you need them. All right, here we are. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to define worry this morning. That's where we're at. Uh, worry is this. It's to have an anxious concern based on apprehension about possible danger or misfortune. 
I really like this definition. Now, here's a couple things I like about it. One is it's not just having a concern, like I'm concerned about something. It, when we're talking about fear, we're talking about worry, we're talking about an anxious concern. I'm anxious about the future. In other words, I'm afraid about the future. Based on apprehension, so it's based on fear about, I love this next word, about, read that one, about, what is it? About possible, about possible danger or misfortune. It's not definitive danger or misfortune. It's not certain danger or misfortune or even likely danger or misfortune. It's just possible danger or misfortune. We're afraid. You know, we're afraid that the stock market might go down. We're afraid that the job market might be flat. We're afraid that the supermarket is going to be too crowded today. You know, we are afraid of a lot of different things. Worry sneaks in. We go to bed and we are worried about tomorrow. We wake up in the morning and we're worried about the things we did and said yesterday. This is not any place for us to live. And so if you are a worrying person, I'm going to read some scripture here. Jesus is teaching Matthew 6. Now, when I read it, I want you to just be calm. I think some people read this and they get worried about it. They're worried because they're worrying you're in a, you're a, you're a mess, okay? Listen, we just got to own that, all right? So here's what I want to do. Before we get into this text, I just want us to all take a deep breath in and then let it out. Some of you like really needed that. Let's just do one more. We'll just do one more. And you know what? It's okay, really, if you went to sleep. I mean, that wouldn't be the end of the world. Some of you really need a nap. All right, so I'm going to read the text now. Now, some of you, it would be good for you to close your eyes and just really meditate on that. Others of you, you're going to be worried that, like, you're the only person closing your eyes and everybody's turned around and is staring at you right now. If that's you, let's not go there. Just keep your eyes open. Just follow along with me as I read. But I'm going to read for you, and you just, just listen. Here's the words of Jesus. Jesus said this. He said, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. So let's just summarize all of that teaching into one real distilled down clear sentence. And I think what Jesus is saying is, is this, just real simply, I think Jesus is telling us to stop trying to control the uncontrollable. I think Jesus is saying, stop trying to control the uncontrollable. Stop trying to, to control all the things that you could just never even control, even if you had all the time in the world. 
But there are just some things in life that we can't control. We can't control the, the weather. We can't control the economy. We can't control other people. We have a hard enough time controlling our own emotions. There is so much in the world and in our lives that is out of control. And so it's time for us to just surrender those things to God's control. We've got to surrender the things that are out of our control to God's control. How about this? Michelle de Montaigne said this. My life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. These are the jokes, people. All right, we're going to we'll try this one more time. Maybe you'll pay better attention. Here we go. So my life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which has never happened. Thank you. All right, great, perfect. Now, science has actually proved this is true. So here's, here's what some psychologists did. I'm sure they had a government grant for this. So um, they had a bunch of people fill out journals. And the journals, they were writing down all the things that they were thinking about that day. They were writing down all the things they were worried about. They, that's what the, the, the job was. You just write these things down. And so they wrote them down, and they kept these journals for a long period of time, months. I think they maybe even went into the year category. And so they, they have these journals, and then they go back with the people who wrote the journals, and they go through it sort of line by line, and they say, all right, you were worried about this. Did it happen? And, you know, yes or no, that kind of thing. And they kept statistics on, you know, how much of the things we worry about actually never happen. The answer was 85%. About 85% of the things that consume ourselves, that we consume ourselves with worrying about, never actually come to fruition. Uh, we worry about things all the time that, that won't happen, that can't happen, that likely will never happen. Uh, and they're all decidedly about things that we can't control. Now, how do I know we are worrying about things we, we can't control? Well, because if you could control it, it would be controlled already, right? I mean, if it was within your power to do something about it, it'd be done. I mean, if you could do it, you would have done it, or you'd be planning to do it. Now, planning isn't the same as worrying. Planning is Jesus' four plans. He says, you know, if you're going to build a, a tower, aren't you going to figure out how, how much it's going to cost to build it? If you're going to go wage war, he says, aren't you going to figure out if you can win? Because it's foolish to start a war that you're just going to lose. He says, you know, don't go there. He says, you're going to do some planning. Proverbs is full of planning. It, Jesus is talking about worrying here. You plan for the things you can do, but you worry about the things that are out of your control. Uh, Jesus isn't saying don't plan. He's saying don't do. He's saying don't worry. That's what he's saying. You plan for the things you can plan for. You do the things you can do, but the rest of the stuff you can't do, it's out of your control. You've just got to let it go. You've got to stop trying to control the uncontrollable. We've got to trust that stuff to God. And Jesus in this text is reminding us that God is on our side, that he is working on our behalf. God is not working against you. The universe is not somehow tilted in, you know, trying to, to thwart all of your plans. Jesus says quite the opposite is true. He's saying, listen, God's for you. He says, look at, the, look at the grass. He says, this is the grass. It's, there's wildflowers out here. Today we call them weeds. You know, they're there and they look pretty. And then, you know, they wither in a week. And some people even gather them up and they burn them. And yet God makes sure they look good. He says, these birds that are, you know, running around and flying everywhere. And, you know, they, they've got plenty to eat. You know, but they don't have jobs. They're not checking in, you know, for a nine-to-five bird job. I don't know what that would look like and doing their things. And they're not stressed about, you know, is the food going to go bad? They're not stressed about retirement. But they're well-fed. 
And Jesus says, aren't you more important than the grass? Aren't you more important than the birds? And everybody except the PETA folks said, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, we're more important than the grass. Yeah, we're more important than the birds. And Jesus says, if God's got that handled, don't worry about it. Now, this is not saying we don't work. It's not saying we don't plan. It's saying we don't worry. God isn't a cosmic waiter to, to do for you all the things that you can do for yourself. No, God's got everything else under control. So we can stop trying to control the uncontrollable. Now, one of the really practical things we can do, and we're going to talk about this next week when we talk about uh, a fearless lifestyle and sort of the, the, the things that we can do and things that we can practice, one of those things is prayer. And that's a really useful place for us to surrender all the things we worry about. Uh, some people find it helpful to even write down in a journal the things that are on your mind, just to get it off your mind, so that way you don't have to worry about it. You know, you've, you've put it there for God, and God's got this under control. That's a really helpful thing to do, to stop trying the uncontrollable, uh, trying to control the uncontrollable, and leave those things to God. All right, so we're going to do that. We're going to not worry about these things. Now, here's the problem, is that some people, maybe this is you, really worry a lot. And so if we were going to be honest with ourselves, you have a lot of time on your hands if you're going to be committed to not worrying. Because given time, you start to worry about things. You start to think about things. You start to, you know, you know why not worry when you could worry? And you just spin over all of the what ifs and what, what might happen in your mind. So we're going to have to have some other things to think about besides worrisome thoughts. Jesus gives us several right here in this text. Let's, let's look at a few things here. So instead of worrying, what can we do? Well, number one, we can focus on what we have. That's a really helpful thing to do. Instead of worrying on all the things we don't have, instead of worrying on all the things we can't control, let's just think about all the things that we do have and all the things that, that are you know, under our control. Jesus asks this really profound double question here in the text. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Jesus is saying, listen, you might not have the latest fashion, but if you've got your health, isn't that something? You might not have all the things you want to eat, but if you're alive, isn't that something? You know, today we live in a world where we style and even abuse ourselves to, to you know, to look better uh, that's not a problem I struggle with, but I know some people do. And there's, you know, I've read this horrifying article. There's some women that actually have ribs removed to have a slimmer waist. What is that all about? Friends, come on now. God gave you these ribs for a reason. You want to keep them in there, okay? Keep them in there. I think Jesus today would say, well, don't you want to just keep your body together like in one piece and you just take you know, the waist size as it comes. You know? Don't worry about the number of the waist. Worry about the number of the ribs. You know, that's what I think he would say. Focus on this. This is more important. Jesus will say the same thing about food. I say, listen, you don't have to worry about serving the right meal at dinner. Even if you've got company coming over, you can still have a really great time with spaghetti. You really can. And yet we're worried about this stuff. Now, I get that Jesus is speaking to a lot poorer audience. I get that. He's speaking to a lot poorer audience than the average American audience. And some of these people Jesus is talking to, they don't know where their next meal is going to come from. And Jesus, even to them, is saying, don't worry about it. 
Now, to us, that might seem kind of heartless, but I think Jesus is actually doing them a great favor. He's talking to these people who live in a very agrarian society. These, some of these folks are farmers. They're growing their own food, and they've done what they can. You know, they've, they've tilled, they've planted, they're weeding, but you know what they can't control? They can't control the rain, and they can't control the sun, and yet they're still alive. They're still there. And Jesus is saying, you know what, let's focus on that. Let us focus on the things that we have. Let's stop trying to control the uncontrollable and trust those things to God. Friends, it's important for us to focus on what we have. It's important for us to be thankful. I know I say this all the time. I really, really mean it. If we could pick only one virtue to grow in our hearts and our lives, if we could pick only one virtue to grow in the hearts and the lives and the minds of our kids, I would say it's gratitude. I would say the thing we need to grow most in our lives is gratitude, being thankful. That's what I think Jesus is calling us to, saying, listen, be thankful for the things that you have. You know, not that long ago, I read about this journal called the Three-Minute Journal, and I was too cheap to go out and buy the three-minute journal, so I, I'm doing my own hybrid version of it. And here's, here's how the three-minute journal starts. It starts with a little meditation. I like to read a little piece of Scripture. I actually read the passage that's on the bookmark there. Um, and then, you know, you reflect on that. But then it, the, the big thing in the morning is to do this, is to write down three things you're thankful for. Start every morning, first thing of the day, with three things for which you are thankful and I'll tell you, it's a really great exercise. I was flipping through this in preparation for this morning's sermon, and, and I was thinking, you know, I was looking at my list, and I, man, there's all sorts of weird stuff in there. I mean, I was thankful for coffee to a car that runs. I was thankful for uh, the dog that we have to the great teachers my kids have. Uh, I mean, anything and everything was in there. Thankful for a family, thankful for a job, thankful for our community. There's just a lot of things I'm thankful for. Now, I will tell you, starting the morning that way has been really helpful for me. Now, there's some mornings where I'm like, man, what am I thankful for today? And it's fast. I mean, I got three things and a fourth one on the way, and here I'm just writing them down. I'm just super thankful. There are other mornings where I got one, and I got to work to find maybe two, and I really struggle to find three. Uh, and it forces me to think, what are the things I'm thankful for? And it gets my mind shifted in a whole different direction than sometimes I wake up, and I'm just thankful. And it's funny, once I get that third one going and my mind's there, I start coming up with more. There's another one that comes to my mind. Oh, I'm thankful for that too. It just reorients my thinking first thing in the day. I will tell you, if you struggle with gratitude, if you struggle with thankfulness, if you struggle with worry, be thankful for the things you have. Start your day in that way. Super simple, super easy. All right, so that's the first thing we can do instead of worrying is focus on what we have uh, develop gratitude. Second thing is this, is to focus on God's goodness. Robert Mount says this, he says, worry is practical atheism. Practical atheism. Uh, why is that? It's because worry acts as though everything depends on us, as though in reality so little depends on us. I mean, things again, like the economy, the weather, other people. We spend a lot of time worrying over those things. Guess what? Your worry doesn't fix it. Fixating on them doesn't fixate, uh, fix it. Only God can take care of those things. And so how can we get our minds focused on God's goodness? Uh, a really helpful discipline here is to read Scripture. Just open up your Bible. Read it. You know, we've got a reading plan that we give you that gives you six days of reading. Start that way. I, I love to start my morning reading Scripture. I try to do that every day. 
Uh, I try to go to bed at night reading a psalm before I go to sleep. I don't do that all the time. I just admit that. I'm, sometimes I'm a little too tired and I'm you know, falling asleep. It's, you know, but I try to do that. It's amazing what happens in our brains when we start and end our day with God's teachings. Let, let me just give you an example. So, I mean, there have been several times, you know, we, we like to DVR Jimmy Fallon because we don't stay up late enough to watch him. And so we DVR him and we're always watching him two, three days late. And so sometimes we watch him, and they'll, sometimes they'll have a band or something on there. They'll do something goofy, and that's like, if that's the last thing I see before I go to sleep, guess what? In the first thing in the morning, I've got either that song in my head, or I've got that goofiness in my mind. First thing in the morning, it's just there. It's waiting for me. Whereas if you put Scripture in your mind, it seems like that sticks with you through the night, and you wake up there. I, I kind of like that. It was actually last Sunday, I took a nap. I like, I'm like me and my Sunday naps. And so I took a nap and I got a book from the library and it was about this. It's a thriller suspense kind of thing of, um, about some government conspiracy. And I was reading it and I was all into it. And then I closed the book and I went to sleep for about two hours. And I don't normally dream, but I remember I was woken up uh, while I was in the middle of some sort of government conspiracy. And I mean, the world like depended on me. It was very, very stressful. Um, now, why am I dreaming that? Because that's not like normal dreams for me. I don't normally remember my dreams. So why, why is my mind there? It's because that's what I put in it right before I went to sleep. You see, sometimes like going to bed, if you're watching the news before you go to bed, I mean, I'm... I feel for you. I mean, of course you're stressed. Of course you've got an ulcer. Of course you're worried about the world. I mean, you were just told for 30 minutes why everything is terrible and you have to tune in tomorrow to see if you're even still around. I mean, it's horrible. Don't do that to yourself. Some of you, you get ready to go to sleep and you're like, you're just going to start worrying about tomorrow. You're just going to go ahead and start. It's a preemptive worrying. You're going to just start with tomorrow and you're going to worry about it tonight. Don't do that. Put something else in your mind. Focus on the goodness of God. Read Scripture. So very, very, very helpful. All right, last thing here. Instead of worrying, here's what we can do. We can be faithful first to God, knowing that He is faithful to us. So in other words, here we go. We're going to focus on what we can control. We're going to do that. We're going to plan for the things that we can plan for. But then the rest of it, uh, we're going to stop trying to control the uncontrollable. And this last part is key because if we really get this and take it to heart and we get serious about seeking first God's kingdom and believing that all the rest of this is going to be added to us, uh, I think we end up being the answer to our prayers and to the prayers of other people. Craig Blomberg in his commentary on this text says this, he says, when God's people corporately seek first his priorities, that's God's, they will by definition take care of the needy in their fellowships and thereby all the people that are worried about what they're going to eat and all the people that are worried about what they're going to wear, that's going to somehow get taken care of. The problem is we live our lives as though it's some sort of zero-sum game that, that you have got to lose in order for me to win, that you've got to come in second in order for me to come in first. But life really doesn't work like that. Even in super competitive environments. I mean, I, not that long ago, I remember reading about uh, the Navy SEALs. Uh, you maybe have heard of these guys. It's a pretty tough program. Uh, not everybody makes it in there. Um, and so they had some journalists following the guys through, and we're trying to figure out who is it that actually makes it into this super competitive program that hundreds, if not thousands of people try to get into, but don't. Now, you know, there was journalists there. They were talking with the instructors, and the, first, the class that starts is huge. There's a lot of guys in it. And there's some guys in there that look like they could be Rambo. Um, I mean, just super tall, super big. 
And so the journalists are like, these are the guys that are going to make it. And all the drill instructors said, not necessarily. And sure enough, most of the really big guys actually washed out. And here's what they found. It wasn't the height. It wasn't the strength. The people that made it through almost always were those that were committed to helping everybody else make it through. The guys that would stop when somebody else fell down and say, hey, we can do this, helping them up. The guy that would help somebody get over an obstacle or through, that was the guy that was going to make it through. It, because it, guess what? Other people are helping him too because he's helped them. And you're building a sense of camaraderie and teamwork and you start to realize that we're going to win in this together. And sure enough, it's the people that are committed to other success that are the ones that come out ahead. And, you know, the article reminds us that if we do, in fact, you know, love our neighbor as ourselves, guess what? It's amazing how things get taken care of. So we know all of this, right? And yet we still worry. Why is that? I, I ran across this. Psychologist Seth Gillahan, he proposes this, that worrying is a rewarding experience to our subconsciousness. Um, that in our unconscious conscious mind, I can never say this word correctly, um, that, that worrying is a very gratifying experience. And, and here's what he said. He said, here's, here's how this works. You know, we're worried about things, lots of things. And so we worry about it. We're worried about this. This is going to happen. This is going to be really, really bad. And we worry about it, and we worry about it, and we worry about it. And because we know that 85% of the things that we worry about never happen, guess what? The thing we're worried about doesn't happen. And so in the subconscious of our mind, our mind goes, see, I was worried about that happening. And I was worried about it, and it didn't happen. Can you imagine what would have happened if I hadn't worried about it? It would have happened. My worrying kept it from happening. And so our minds sort of have this like subconscious like reward that because we didn't worry about it or we worried about it and it didn't happen, therefore worrying keeps bad things from happening. Okay, this is the same kind of logic that says, you know, those really tall poles outside that have the, the wires running on them. Some people say they're electric poles. That's actually an electric fence for violent feral giraffes. True story. Now you're going, that's ridiculous. There are no violent feral giraffes in Bowling Green, and I would say exactly. They're working. That's why. We don't have that kind of problem here because we have the violent feral giraffe fence protecting us and our community. That's the same thing with worrying. Our worrying, we're like, oh my gosh, this is going to happen. If I worry about it, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen anyway, so don't worry about it. Stop trying to control the things that are out of your control. We think that worry equals controlling the situation, that somehow, maybe sort of telepathically, our worry changes things, but it doesn't work like that. As a matter of fact, it works in reverse. Worry does control us, and we allow the situation and the other people to control us through our worry, and our worry changes us. We can't change anything through worry. And so it's time that we let it go, that we stop trying to control the uncontrollable, that we allow God to do that, and that we start to focus on the things we've got, that we focus on God's goodness, and that we pursue Him and His kingdom first. That's how we can live with a fearless attitude. All right, this morning we're going to sing a song of decision, and, and we do this every week because we just know that God's Spirit is at work and alive in people's lives. And maybe he's been at work and alive in your life. And maybe he's been leading you to make a decision uh, where you would receive Jesus Christ and you would put aside the worry and, and all the other things that are holding you back. 
If that's you this morning, we'd love for you to come forward. I'd love to talk with you about what that would mean for you to receive Jesus Christ and to be baptized into Him. Uh, others of you, maybe today's the day you say, man, I want to be a part of Bowling Green Christian Church. You want to come forward, you want to do that, make that public. That's, that's awesome. love for you to do that. Uh, but others of us, you know, maybe it's, that's not this morning for us. And so uh, I would say as we sing the song, let's, let's focus on the words and let's focus on in this moment, in this time, surrendering all the things that we're worried about and allowing God to control the things that only He can control. And we'll just say, God, we'll let you be God. I'll do the things I can. I'll plan for the things I can plan for. And I'll let you handle the rest. Let's do that this morning as we sing. Why don't you go ahead and stand?